Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I'm going to get right to it. This is going to be part two of It's Too Small. What a trivial seeming title, right? It's not very arresting, is it? It is to me. It is to me right now. Because in my hours of praying before the Lord in the last several days, everything seems to lead me to a culmination of that simple phrase that I have repeated hundreds of times in the last four or five days. It's too small. It's too small. It's too small. And I'm just going to say again, and then we're just going to get right into it. Unless you give yourself to believe it's possible that the word of the Lord can come through even this thing, this man who makes cars shiny for a living and is in his barn by himself in the middle of nowhere, unless you have any kind of faith to believe it's possible, this is going to be of no use, of no purpose. Friends, I can't, I can't explain how I'm not just up here talking. There's something stirring in me that is before me. And I'm just going to confess, I give myself openly to the what is yet to be. I will not be frustrated that the only people hearing my voice right now are birds. Something's before me. But there's something in the right now. The revelation of joining myself with the death of Yeshua the Messiah. That is his name, you know. I'm having to really reckon with that. You know, if you ever... Okay, I'll just use myself because that's the only way this can make sense to be specific to a name. My name is Joel Spencer. And if there was a history book written for any reason about my life, in 2,000 years from now, somebody's talking about me and my name had been translated to mean something different, how foolish, if you in fact knew my name... How ridiculous would it be to call me something else? Well, we're just going to call him Bill because in our language, let's just say Bill. If you knew my name was Joel, why in the world would you call me Bill? And when we start looking at, and I can't go there, oh my gosh, I can't even, I can't even look down this road, but just I'm going to say this and move on. When we know the power, as we're told in the scriptures, the power within the name, the name, and we know what the name was and is and ever will be that God himself gave to the Son, why in the world would I call him Bill? Do you get what I'm saying? If there is power in the name of Yeshua, 
Why in the world would I say there's power in the name of Bill? Is that not just the most stupid thing you've ever heard? Well, we can't get hung up on languages. We're not talking about languages. We're talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that we've been told is, is Bill. Yeshua. That was his name. I'm no Messianic Jew guy. Stand for Israel. I'm not even talking about that. I don't even know what that means. That's for another day. And I don't claim to even know what I'd say about it. I don't know anything. But when I was going into that water nearing 48 hours ago, as I did what the Lord asked me to do, and I turned and I walked out into that mountain stream, and I descended into water that was notably deeper than I thought it would be, it came all the way up just below my shoulders, a couple inches below my shoulders. Oh, 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 Kristen says this so much better in, in her, in her uh, recording about her immersion. Because, of course, she's shorter than me, and she was, oh, oh, boy. <laughs> but it was so much more than just, like, the chill of the water or the feeling of, of water coming up onto our natural body. It was something real and alive. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting in. That's what I just kept saying out loud. God, I'm getting in. I'm getting in. <laughs> Me. I'm getting in, God. I couldn't believe it myself. I'm getting in. I am mere inches from being immersed. I've seen your kingdom. I've seen it. It's been made visible to me by being born from above. Yes. Oh boy, but that's, oh, that's old news. That's old news. I've been born of the Spirit. I pray in tongues. I pray in the Spirit. It stirs up my most holy faith. It stirs me. Groanings that I can't even understand. I don't know how I ought to pray. The Spirit in me knows. I know that. I've been born of the Spirit, God. But I'm mere inches away from being born of the water. It's right here. And in that moment, I tried to just, I tried to just soak it all in. Oh, I tried my best. I'm like, I'm, I'm, all these things are coming to mind. Oh man, the, it's making sense. It's coming, it's, it's coming into view. The kingdom, it's, it's drawing nearer. The bridegroom, oh, the bridegroom, I see him. I'm going out to meet him. I'm going out to him. For real. For the first time, I'm going out to meet him and I can go because I've been emptied. I'm empty. My wicks are trimmed. My lamps are full. Full overflowing with oil. I'm ready. I'm ready. Like Kristen said, she wanted to push me out of the way and do a cannonball in that water. 
Joel, get out of the way. I want to marry my bridegroom. Get out of the way. I want to give myself fully to him. And y'all, I could not put into words this facet of something bigger than I will, ne- I will never understand it all. I will never understand everything that took place in, in me two days ago. I will never understand it because my natural mind cannot comprehend it. But part of, part, part of what was going on in me in that water was this spiritual supernatural revelation of my faith was joining me supernaturally with Abraham. The Abraham. Me. I was about to join myself into the seed of God. Abraham. The beginning of the people of God. The promise fulfilled in the Messiah who I joined myself with into so that I could have that promise for me by faith. I covenantally joined myself with Abraham. Well, how did I do that? By my vow? By committing to a brother that, hey, I'm going all the way, brother. I'm going all the way with you, brother. No way. No way. What? It's too small. It's too small. What is faith? It's a gift. It cannot be and nor will it ever be sourced in men. It originates in God and is His to give. Without faith, it's what? It's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. How does it come? We're told by hearing the word, the oracle, the revelation of God. No man can fabricate it. No man can own it. No man can in any way claim ownership of the faith necessary to vow yourself into Jesus Christ, the Messiah, into his death. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care what's in an order of service or what the preacher who dunked you said. I don't care what you... Oh my gosh. It has nothing to do with us outside of our yielding to vow ourselves into the grave and into the vow that was the death of Yeshua the Messiah. Everything else is an addition to the capital T, capital V vow of Yeshua unto death. It originates in himself. And thereby, my covenantal vow is into the absolute perfect expression of this vow, the death of the Messiah. I said this a little bit in the last recording, not part one, but the previous, about my immersion. It's his vow. And it's not just his vow. He became the vow. 
He became the vow for all of the saints. All of the Hebrews 11 saints, the promise that was before them, that was fulfilled in Messiah, was the vow. The vow, the covenantal vow of Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, unto the Father committing himself, his spirit, who he really was, into the hands of eternal Yahweh God, fulfilled the faith, belief, expectation, and hope of Abraham that all men enter into the covenantal reality by. The Lord is expanding my joining myself with reality and understanding that shifted in me in great measure. I mean something within my spirit uh, shifted on that Hezekiah study. Because y'all, I've given myself to the corporate expression. As much as I know how. Okay, so right now there's three of our families living here in southwestern Virginia. Twenty people. Mostly, of course, made up of children. Do the math. (sighs) I have given myself more, I would say, than anybody else here. Why do I say that? Because I needed to the most. Because I needed to the most. I came here, the most individual of all of us. Do you hear what I'm saying? I came here with the most individual-based mindset of any of us here. It has been an excruciating death to yield myself to the corporate reality of the expression of Jesus, Yeshua Christ, the Messiah, in bodies of flesh and bone. I have given myself to it, and I have seen the eternal fruit and reward that has come out of it. I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in my eight-year-old son even. And I have absolutely seen it in myself. And so as that began to expand over the last four years, Oh God, where I'm headed, it's not just about me. It's not just about the me and you reality. I'm joining myself with these brothers. I'm joining myself. I'm going to vow myself into the grave alongside these brothers and nothing will ever be able to separate us because we have vowed ourselves into the grave and to one another. And that phrase right there, Oh man, that phrase is it for me. That phrase at the end that I added right there is it. And to one another. I cannot in any way in my present understanding of immersion and joining in with the corporate expression of the death of Yeshua Messiah and add that to it any longer. Yet, It doesn't negate it. It expands it beyond. Why? Because it's too small. It's too small. It's too small. If somewhere in the recesses of my doctrine, I believe in any way, 
that my immersion into the death somehow puts me in a place different than all the saints that went before me, something is off. Because can Abraham join my fellowship here in southwestern Virginia? Can he join me here? Can Paul be baptized into my fellowship here? Was Jesus immersed into the Southwestern Virginia Fellowship? Oh my gosh. It's too small times a million. Are you kidding me? And so all I kept hearing is, Joel, it's too small. It's too small, son. So I began to give myself to what the Lord has been adding to me throughout the scriptures this year into that, that shift inside of me. And I had to just really like, oh God, are you seriously asking me to let go my entire future? In my mind, in my imaginations, my son's sons will be playing with these brothers' sons' sons. Are you asking for me to give you that? The beautiful corporate expression of the body via a vow of brotherhood? Yes. Exactly. My son. Because it's too small. It's too small. And oh my gosh, I can't even express how there's something in my brain that hurts at saying that mystery. The most incredible thing I had ever known, understood on any level, and given to the core of my being that I knew of, to give myself to men in the name of Yeshua Jesus, buried with him alongside them, God said, it's too small. It's too small, Joel. Get the revelation. It's the words of the prophet Isaiah that you have had in your lap, Joel. It's awesome. It is awesome. But the revelation hasn't come, son. I am sending you a revelation. But you've got to be willing to set it down and jump out of the chariot and get in. But Lord, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for four years to get in the water with these brothers. Yes, I've hesitated. Yes, I've been fearful. Yes, I've prolonged. But I've been laboring to wait. We've been laboring together to wait to experience a shared reality, covenantal joining with one another. And every single time, the Lord would arrest me and say, that's the problem. Forget your verbal vow that originates in your best intentions to give yourself to the brothers. Joel, it is by faith, son. It's by faith. 
That's why it's the faith of Abraham. He didn't experience what I experienced Sunday. So is he out too? Is he deemed not enough, not covenantally joined enough to the body of Christ? He's the father of it. By faith. So I began to wash my hands and consecrate myself to the more of the vow and the covenant that I had put in there. In my best efforts, in my best intentions. In the dying of, to my own will, to the expression of a shared reality and unity of the Spirit with other human beings doing likewise. But when I began to give myself to the revelation that came to me, it was deemed too small. I thought it was as big as I was capable of going. Lord God, not long ago, I'm buying this farm. I'm buying a home in 10 acres. I'm going to be buried here. I don't want a farm just for me. Let it be for the body. I want to give this to my son. I want him to play here with his children alongside these brothers' children. I want them to marry and multiply your kingdom. I want them to duplicate your kingdom like I talked about last year. The multiplication of the kingdom. It's going to happen right here. A godly heritage. A lineage. Yes, God, I'm going to do it. I surrender my will and my ways. This is not mine. Have it all. And I had this grand vision that I could finally get to joining myself with, abandoning my will that really for me started, yes, at my regeneration, but more so with my son's arrival of giving my will away. And so I knew I could do it. And I've done it here. I've done it here. To the best of my ability, I was preparing myself to die beside these brothers. And I know for sure that they would do the same. So what do I do when somebody comes walking up along the desert road and says, Brother, do you know what you're looking at? I had to be willing to say, I don't know. I don't know. Is there more? Is there more? Woman at the well, why are you here? Well, I'm getting water. Of course I'm here. I need water. Yes, you are. And it's going to run dry. And it's going to run dry because it's never enough. Because it's housed in a natural vessel. You're, you can keep coming back. But you're going to have to keep always coming back because it's naturally sourced. But guess what? I'm the foretold Messiah that you apparently already know about. And I'm here to give you living water that you never, ever, ever have to return to because it never ends. It comes to you. It's eternal. And it's eternally sourced. And it's so much more. That water pot will be sufficient for you in measure, but it's too small. And she left it. And she ran. 
she embraced, that what she had was too small. The Ethiopian eunuch received the word and utterance of God and said, I hold the prophecy of the word of God from Isaiah, but it's too small. And he got in. He got in. He received the revelation. So the question really is, have you received the revelation? So either you've not received the revelation and you're waiting and you need to wait. But you need to step back and say, why have I not received the revelation? Because if the doctrine that you're clinging to is your revelation and you are concrete and you will not move, then why are you not in the water? Then why are you not already in? That's what I had to ask myself and reckon with. Because if I had the revelation, then I'm in disobedience and I'm walking in the natural and I'm not in the kingdom. And so when the revelation came, I had to admit I have not had the revelation until right now. I was walking in limited light. Yes, I have seen the kingdom. I've seen it. I've been given the ability by my regeneration to see it exists. But what prohibits me from getting in to the kingdom, into the immersion, immersed into the death, what's keeping me? Me. I was keeping myself from going in. Because God, this can't make sense. I have given myself to the end of my days to my belief and my doctrine. And I'm not saying God doesn't value that and love that, but we have got to see what? It's too small. It's too small if it's something that continually comes back to my vow, to my admission to a brother, to my covenantal agreement with him. It's too small. I joined in with the Hebrews 11 saints, friends. I was submerged into that reality. And the spiritual absolutely annihilates in quantity the natural, literal brotherhood reality. Yes, that is there. That is within it. But it is a product of the supernatural faith-based work of the Holy Spirit in a man. And anything else will not remain. It may remain a hundred years. It may remain for generations and generations. But it's too small. What advantage has the Jew? What is the benefit of circumcision? Great in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. Well, what then? If some don't believe, their belief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? May it never be. Rather, let God be found true. Though every man be found a liar. 
Friends, do we understand that? The liar is one who breaks faith. That is the exact word used in the scriptures. The one who breaks faith. Every man. Every man. But if through my lie, the truth of God abounded to his glory, my, like who I was and who I am as a mere man, why am I also still being judged as a sinner? And why not say, as we're slander, slanderously reported, and as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come? What then? Are we better than they are? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands, no one who seeks God. Everyone's turned aside. There's none who do good, not even one. Going on, we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. And it goes on to talk about justification by what? By faith. Joining myself with the faith of Abraham. Let God be found true, though every man be found a breaker of faith, a liar. And let me just say this. Think about the relationships in your life. Even my wife, I'll use her as an example. How many times, how many times, how many times did I tell her a vow? I will never. Oh God, again, I will never. Or I will. How are you doing with those vows, friend? Can you keep them? Your only chance to keep anything that would come out of your mouth as mere breath is if the spirit of the living God intersects you. Guides you, directs you, blows you. Immersion. Immersion. Psalm 116. I'm going to pick up Psalm 116 in part three. Amen.